0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's no surprise where we are today. Sorry, Mark. That's a surprise to me. It's a surprise to me. Uh, if we got him, Matthew, we're in real trouble. Okay. Okay, bring it back now. Get serious. <laughs> Reel it in. Uh, hate to get serious with you, but I did have a dream some time ago. And um, my dad's 89 years old at the moment. And um, I had this dream, and I don't normally have vivid dreams, it's not because of pizza or anything else that particular night but I had a, I believe it was a godly dream and in this dream I was uh, attending a football game, my dad loves rugby league, he's not into AFL so much but we were at this football game and we were on the, on the sidelines on the football game and there was a, a uh, elevated platform small stand and I my dad's got a walking stick. His legs uh, have come out. He's had a serious fall recently, so he, he, he can't move very well. And I said, Dad, I'm just going up, up uh, to, have a, to watch the game up there for a little while. So I, I go up the stairs. I'm up. The, uh, the, uh, this dream is incredibly detailed, and I remember it. And as I'm, I get up to the top of the stairs, within a short period of time, I can't remember exactly why, but these people start abusing me. They start arguing with me and having a go at me. And then I'm 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 watching the guys on the field and the, the players on the field stop right near where where I'm standing, where the sideline is, and they start yelling out at me and abusing me. And I I, I started to get. In the dream, I was a bit concerned at what was happening. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, my father started to scale the stairs with his walking stick. Gets to the top of the stairs and is out of breath, can't breathe. I walked over to my dad. I said, Dad, what are you doing? He said, you needed my help. I woke up that morning and went to prayer in my, in, my, in my prayer closet. I just went and prayed. And I was so moved, I started to cry. Because only in the last maybe 20 or 30 years, I've really had a sense of the sacrifice that my father paid for me. So I felt moved to ring him. And when I rang him, <coughs> Excuse me. when I rang him, typically he didn't, he, he's trying to put up his little barrier. My dad just doesn't like getting too emotional, you know, and some of you know part of my story that we didn't talk for 15 years and we had major problems and it hasn't been like that for the last 25, 30 years or so, so it's been great. But, My dad, I'm I'm saying, Dad, I want to say something to you. He says, no, 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 son, you don't. I said, Dad, I want to say thank you for everything you've ever done. And I was crying on the phone. I was so moved by that. And I rang my dad to express my sincere thanks to him. But my dad's not a perfect dad. My dad's a good dad, but he ain't perfect. And without the intervention of the Holy Spirit, our relationship would have been a shambles. As we look into this portion of Scripture this morning, we're going to be looking at the life of Jairus, just a snapshot of this man's life. But as we ended chapter 4 and we were looking at the parables as you're reading through this, and I'm glad we're all on the same journey, hey? Reading through the same book. We're reading through the parables, and Jesus goes from teaching to authority. And it's it's a transition from a place where he teaches to a place where he begins to stamp authority, exhibit authority, show authority. And it began to dawn on me that that's exactly sometimes what's needed in Christianity is that we just don't fill our heads with all these teachings and various things, but we actually move to a place of practical application of the authority of the Word of God. Jesus encounters the demoniac of the Gadarenes, casts those spirits out. They go to a a herd of pigs. They run over. The people say, listen, mate, we don't want you around here. Then uh, uh, we we come to another portion, and this is where I want to focus on. You can read, read with me from Mark 5, verse 21. It's two stories intertwined but examples the heart of compassion of Christ and a direct reflection on the Father heart of God. And I want, to, I, want, I want to tell you, I saw this in Scripture and I thought immediately, this is the heart of God, the Father heart of God. And I want to preach a message to you today, simply entitled, Qualities of a Good Dad. From Mark, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. That is, Jairus fell at Jesus' feet. And begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her, that she may be healed. And she... We'll just pause it there. And I just want to pray and ask God's help. Father, we thank you for your heart being revealed in the way that you sent Jesus. But also in the life of this man, Jairus. I pray you anoint this message, these words, and that it would speak to people's hearts and people be encouraged and inspired in Jesus' name. Qualities of a good dad. Number one is humility. You read this scripture and sometimes the perspective that we have is often uh, shaped by modern culture. And if you don't study it out, very often we just flick over the uh, little phrases that are said. But as we've seen already through Mark, Jesus polarized people. And some were for him. Some didn't know what to think of him, and others were really against him. The opposition came largely from the scribes, the Pharisees, and there was a powerful religiously political wing called the Sadducees. And if you do any study into the Sadducees, the Sadducees were uh, uh, basically the power brokers who linked up with the Romans and were trying to keep the peace, and the Romans were using them and they even appointed the highest office of the Sadducee for that year. The religious leaders and had come out, this, these, this group of religious leaders had come out publicly against Jesus. It was only men like Nicodemus who went by night and would see him secretly who would say that they were anything near supporting him. But these religious leaders publicly came out against Jesus and they were intimidating the people saying, do not be around him. Do not listen to him. It got to such a place in John chapter 9. You remember the story, the man who was born blind and he is questioned by the religious leaders and it gets to the point where they are, are, are castigating him. They're ridiculing him and bringing him down. So they bring his parents in, and it says in John chapter 9, verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, that is, Jesus was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. In John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43, it says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So put that context, uh, put that background right into our context of our Scripture. What do we find? We find a man by the name of Jairus who is what? A ruler of the synagogue. He's a ruler of the synagogue, meaning he was like he played a pastoral type role. He was in administration. He did various things around the synagogue. And uh, the synagogue was basically the center of their faith and worship for many of them that couldn't get to the temple. So it was a religiously significant, it was a Uh, uh, The synagogue played a strong part in the life of the Jews. And despite all of those factors, despite the fact that they were putting people out of the synagogue for being believers or confessors of Christ, Jairus, a ruler, comes to Jesus. And what does the Bible say? It says he falls down before him. In an act of total humility, this father, this desperate father, seeks Jesus. Good men seek Jesus in humility and reverence. For Jairus, this was religiously, socially, politically dangerous, even financially threatening. Because Jairus received, uh, no doubt, received some sort of financial support as he was dedicated to the, the local synagogue and oversaw the administration of things. Jairus disregarded the possible consequences that he might suffer to come to Jesus. So often people have a reason why they can't come to Jesus. Good men will come to Jesus in humility and reverence and put aside any possible consequences religiously, politically, financially to seek Jesus. He comes publicly in the midst of a crowd. Don't miss that either. He's not doing this in secret. He's up front. He begins to plead with Jesus to come to his home. For the sake of his daughter, he laid down his prestige, his position, and his power in society. Gary likes that, three Ps. He laid down his position, his power in society, and his prestige for the life of his child. That's what good fathers do. Unfortunately, this isn't the story for every father-child relationship. This is not always the case that men humble themselves before the Lord because a lot of men think that they have, if they can just set their minds on something, they can do anything. But Jairus knew that this was the only hope for him that he came to Jesus and he was willing to humble himself and pay the price. This was the belief also of the woman with the issue of blood. She is bleeding uncontrollably. She's a social outcast. And she risks all to come to Jesus because she knew that only Jesus could help us. A few simple things Jairus did that are indicative of a humble heart. Number one, he refused to entertain the fear of man. Number two, he refused the intimidation of the spiritual leaders. Three, he positioned himself in the presence of Jesus. Four, he bowed in submission before Jesus. That, it's, it's not just putting yourself in the presence of Jesus. It's being in submission to Jesus. Five, he bared his heart before Jesus. And six, he expressed his total confidence in Jesus. First quality of of a good dad is humility and humility before God. Second one is faith. I see two aspects to this man's faith and two, two obvious ways this man possessed and expressed his faith. The first thing is his words. Men, be careful of your words. Because you have the power to inflict physical pain on somebody, but you also have the power to inflict emotional pain on people by your words. I've been known at times to shout people down. Only because I, I was defending my own pride and not being humble. I thank God that God has shown me that it's, if you can't say something good, it's better off saying nothing at all. But if you're going to say something, say something of faith. Express your words of faith that God can move in circumstances. Express your faith to your wife. Express your faith to your kids. Express your faith if you've got grandkids to your, to, to your grandkids. My, my daughter started panicking recently uh, about a year ago when I started testifying to my, to my grandkids. Started telling them about what a rotten, lousy sinner I was before Jesus came into my life. Dad, don't tell them too much. But I want to express my faith more often about the wonderful things Jesus Christ has done the wonderful things that God has done in my home and in my family. This man confesses that if Jesus would come, he speaks words of faith, then his daughter would live. Listen to the New Living Translation of Mark five, twenty-three. It says, Pleading fervently with him, my daughter is dying, he said, please come, lay hands on her, Heal her so she can live. This is words of faith he's speaking. In another translation, lay hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 12, whatever is in your heart determines what you you say. A good man... Uh, Sorry, a good person produces good things from uh, from the treasury of a good heart. Here, this man's heart is on display as he speaks words of faith. Jairus was convinced that Jesus was his only hope and his daughter would live if Jesus would pray for her. This is both logical and it's a mystery. It's logical, let me explain. It's logical because this man had obviously watched Jesus for some time. He's a thinking person. He's not your everyday dumbed down form of male, uh, male uh, uh, just walking around saying, I don't know. He actually thought about this. He looked at this. He looked at the situation. He watched what Jesus was doing. He probably heard what others were saying about him as well as what the Pharisees had said. He thought about it. He said, I'm going to believe that this man can heal my daughter. It was logical. Undoubtedly, Jairus had heard the stories. Undoubtedly, he'd been somewhere where Jesus had done something. Even as he interacts with Jesus in this very moment, he witnesses another miracle. Jesus heals this woman with the issue of blood right in front of his eyes. It's logical. Don't let anybody tell you it's illogical to believe in Jesus. It's perfectly logical. It fits the absolute scenario of eternity that God, in His grace and mercy, would come and lay and be uh, and, and lay His life down for us, so that we would be with Him. But healing is also a mystery. We don't understand it. It's supernatural. But in desperation, He comes. Men, how desperate are you that your children are raised in a godly home and that they live for God? Granddads, how desperate are you that your grandchildren live for God? Does it take you to the place of prayer every day? Does it take you to the place where you testify? Does it take you to the place where you say, when everybody doesn't want to come to church and you say, come on, let's go and lead the way? Ooh. Don't throw anything at me. Yeah, I said lead the way, men. We'll just do what the message says. Good luck with that. God places responsibility on you, men. It's all right, I'm leaving after the service. I'm flying out. Seriously, I made some critical mistakes in the early years of my marriage and every, every husband knows what I'm talking about. And there were times when I sat with my pastor and he said, Gaff, you just need to make the right decision. Lead. Show the way. This man, he didn't understand the miracle that could transpire, but he just put his faith in Jesus and his faith Words of faith came from a desperate heart and he considered it and he said, I'm going to believe God. The second thing he did was his actions of faith. Jairus put himself in the right place physically at the feet of Jesus. Faith has an action component to it. Jairus came to Jesus. Jairus went to him and said, I've got to get you and I'm going to bring you into my home. In fact, even as Jesus is temporarily, temporarily waylaid and, and Jairus remains in that place, he doesn't just say, oh, well, he hasn't got time for me. He's helping this woman. He doesn't throw the towel in. He says, yep, no worries. Okay, I'll wait here. His actions speak faith. Verse 35 and 36 in the New, Translate, uh, New Living Translation says, While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Even as he gets the news that his daughter is dead, he still has the action of faith. And what is that? He takes Jesus to his home. Jesus encourages him. Don't be fearful. Jairus receives that encouragement and he takes Jesus to his home and we understand very clearly the, out, uh, the outpouring of that was that his daughter gets healed. But let me say to you this one, one phrase, good dads bring by faith bring Jesus into your home. Good dads... By faith, bring Jesus into your home. Make Jesus the center of your home. Not the football. Not your child. Child Child-centered parenting is going to get you guys in trouble when you're married later on in life. Make Jesus the center of your home. Not the mother-in-law. Not the job. Oh, we've got to have double income because we've got to have all this stuff. Make Jesus the center of your home by faith. Ouch. This man bared his heart to Jesus and by his actions, he stayed in the place that he needed to. His love for his daughter and his love for Jesus we clear. Thirdly and finally, persistence. A good dad's not only got humility before Jesus, doesn't have just have faith in Jesus, but he is persistent in the things of God. He's persistent to do the right thing. I see... There are at least three incidents here that could have deterred Jairus. The first one's the woman with the issue of blood. This really could have deterred him as this woman interrupts Jesus. She didn't mean to, but Jesus makes a point of stopping after she has touched his his, uh, garment. And he, he turns around and says, who touched me? The disciples have their stay. You know, you're in the middle of a crowd and you're saying, who touched me? The whole story as you read it. But that could have been a deterrent to him, but he was persistent. He stayed where he needed to stay. Sometimes there's going to be disruptions to your plans and you need to persist in serving the Lord and making Jesus the center. Another Incident that could have deterred him was the news of the uh, the bad news from his servants. This could have easily dissuaded him. Often dads need to persist in the pursuit of what is best for their family, even when there are disruptions like somebody coming and giving you bad news. Don't throw the towel in in Christianity simply because it's going to get a bit hard that it's going to take a little bit of effort to persist and continue to press in for God. I see the third area is the people. Firstly, he had to push past the multitude to get to Jesus. Secondly, once he's got Jesus and he's on his way to the house, let's read what happens there because persistence means continuing even when there are, are, are difficulties and challenges listen to this in, in uh, verse 38 to verse 43 of the new living translation when they came to the house of the synagogue leader jesus saw much commotion weeping and wailing he went in and asked why are all this commotion and the weeping the child isn't dead she's only asleep the crowd laughed at him But he made them all leave and took the girl's father and mother with his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said, Talitha kume, which uh, means little girl, get up. And the girl was 12 years old, immediately stood up, walked around, and they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them, to give her something to eat. Here is the distraction. He walks into the place. These people were hired, basically. They they, they were the weeping and wailing saints that would come around to your house and help you mourn. Basically, this was part of the tradition of the day that you would have a group of people come and mourn at your house. So everybody knew that there was some sort of tragedy had gone down. And here, Jesus has to push past, but the man has to push past these people. They're in opposition to what God's trying to do. That's why Jesus puts them out of the room. says, I don't want you around. I don't need you around. This girl's going to live. Good dads learned to filter out the voices in the crowd, who you're going to listen to and who you're going to put aside. Because sometimes there's going to be sharks in the water. Coming after your kids, coming after the blessing of God in your life, and you're going to have to carry your kids through those times. Good dads seek God. Good dads bring God into their home. Good dads push past every obstacle. Good dads are persistent despite the difficulties and the challenges of life. Jesus became the center of Jairus' house and that brought about about a miracle. My final comments, and I want to close with this. might get a lease up now to play play on the keys for us. I want to encourage fathers here today to be like Jairus. Regardless of what others would say and do, that you would put Jesus as the center of your home. That you would persist in pursuing the things of God, no matter what difficulties. If you're not that man, that you could identify with Jairus and become that man, then you can be. By the grace of God, I started at 22. I had no idea. first 12 weeks of my son's life, I was away eight because of work commitments. My wife went through a, a postnatal depression. She's ringing me up. she's crying on the phone. I'm. Ringing. Her parents are coming up from Brisbane. We're living in Darwin. Uh, I'm away from church. I'm not living for God with all my heart. I had to make some decisions. For three years, for the next three years, I was regularly in my pastor's office getting counseling on my marriage. And he kept pointing me back to Jesus, to humble myself before the Lord, to seek God, to be a man of faith and to be a man of persistence in believing that God can change me on the inside. If you're not that man today, that if you're nowhere near Jairus, if you're nowhere near the example, as Ali was saying, the example of our Father in heaven, the Father heart of God, don't just give up and say, I can't do it. Don't throw the towel in. But put your trust in Jesus and that God's grace is going to help you by transforming you. You know, we have no idea what Jairus was like before this instance and we have no idea what he was like after this. We get this small snapshot of his life. But what he did in that little small snapshot of his life influenced his life of his daughter for the rest of her life. If you boil your life down to snapshots and say, I'm going to do right, right now. I'm going to do my best right now. That'll help you. You know, as a teenager, I... Basically despised what my dad did. Divorce was a horrible thing. I was only six when mum and dad divorced. And I watched them fight and dad did this and dad did that. I could complain all I like about how bad dad was. But when I became a dad, I started to think about how my dad worked two jobs to support two families And to put all these kids through good education. I started to remember that dad taught me to always elevate truth. I started to remember the little lessons that my dad instilled in me like a good work ethic. That if I start work at eight o'clock, I really should be there at quarter to eight or half past seven. I started to think about all the things my dad, when I became a dad I, and I got saved and I, I gave my life to Jesus, all of a sudden these things started to come to reality. I started to realize what he'd done for me. And then, you know, the devil's in the, the and the voices in the back of your head. Well, he was this and he did this and he, he deserved you doing that to him. But the spirit of God kept saying to me, no, your dad did this. There's no license or excuse for not trying to emulate the life and example of Christ or the Father or even this isolated incidence of Jairus today, Men, I was at work. Uh, We have some young guys, and one of them is training at at one of the churches in our city to be uh, in ministry. And uh, I said to him, I said, Eli, um, his name's Elijah. I love it. You know, I said, Elijah, what, what would Jesus have done in that circumstance? We were talking about something. And he snapped back really quickly and said, I'm not Jesus. And I said, we're all being conformed to his image. By His grace, He wants to transform that you actually become a Christian, a follower of Christ and take on what He has, what He is. See, there's no excuse for dumbed down uh, male masculinity today where you just say, oh, it's just, uh, I can't do it. In Christ, my my Bible says in Romans, you're more than a conqueror. Philippians tells us that you can do all things through Christ's strength. By the grace of God, I am what I am. He's transforming us. We can can become better dads. I'm not saying you're a bad dad. I'm just saying there's room for improvement. I know there is for me. How about you? Rather, we should seek to become just like the Father. The father heart of God, it doesn't, you don't have to be a Bible student to see the father heart of God here, is it? When he sacrificed everything, where the son came in humility, humbled himself, came and dwelt amongst us. The father heart of God is real. And that's what beats inside of me. I don't think there's anything I, could, I wouldn't do for my kids and my grandkids now. What the Father has done for us is He sent His only Son. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.